Hello, I'm Evan Reese, an Asia-Pacific analyst at Stratfor, and this podcast is being brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Individual, team, and enterprise memberships are available at worldview.stratfor.com slash subscribe. I do believe that at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, if, you know, there's a bad guy that needs to be taken care of, then Joe's not going to shy away from the task. Welcome to the Stratfor podcast from Stratfor.com. I'm your host, Ben Sheen. We're continuing this episode to focus on true crime, espionage, and mysteries. And that's in no small part because our chief security officer, Fred Burton, loves the genre and we can't really get him to read anything else. These episodes of the Stratfor podcast have even developed a special name, The Pen and Sword. On today's episode, we've got David Austin, author of the thriller, Tehran's Vengeance. This is the story of what happens when espionage is just too effective and goes on to cause an international disaster. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Dave Austin, who has written a new thriller called Tehran's Vengeance. Dave, thanks so much for joining the Stratfor podcast today. Oh, thank you, Fred. It's a pleasure to be here. I know, Dave, uh, this topic is extremely timely. It's got everything from cyber to military activity to uh, Iran's uh, covert action and so forth. And I was struck by the detail in the book right off the get-go where you have uh, the job so perfect from the State Department regional security officer to the assistant regional security officer. Uh, You clearly know this topic, and I would guess because it's due to your background as being a former protection officer with the CIA. Yeah, I tried to build and use um, my experiences, my training, uh, my background to bring a level of realism and authenticity to the story. As you know, Fred, you know, from traveling overseas quite a bit um, and with, you know, most of our offices being located in the embassies, uh, we were in contact and worked directly with the RSOs, ARSOs on a regular basis. And, um, you know, I'm glad and, uh, that that came through uh, in the story. Well, you nailed it. And for the listeners that might not understand that acronym, uh, RSO is a regional security officer, and and they are uh, State Department diplomatic security service agents assigned to uh, every embassy and consulate in the world today in our post-Benghazi world. Talk to me a little bit about the plot of the book. I know it gets off right away with this attack on the ambassador's motorcade in Iraq. Yeah, so I was thinking about uh, when I was initially kind of putting the story together, Iran was going to be the uh, responsible for the the antagonist there, and trying to come up with an idea is what would spur them to take such a drastic action. I mean, we've seen them, you know, do things from all the way back to to Beirut, which you documented excellently in uh, in Beirut rules. But what was it that would kind of spur them to this action? And I was thinking about uh, the Stuxnet virus and the attack on their, the cyber attack on their um, nuclear facilities in Natanz and how that could kind of play into, um, to kind of setting the action off. The plot centers on uh, a degree of retribution by Iran due to Stuxnet uh, attack? 
Yeah, absolutely, Fred. With the uh, the attack on the ambassador, through some inside information that they received, uh, they were able to identify a group of individuals who were major players in the success of the attack. And that kind of put those people to the, the top of the Quds Force hit list. And they start kind of taking them out one by one, uh, moving across from the Middle East through Europe and then eventually to the United States. Dave, in light of uh, the current saber-rattling between the United States and and Iran over potential military strikes, uh, I'm struck by the timeliness of your book. Were you surprised that uh, it seems like a lot of the information that you depict in your story is kind of playing out in in reality? You know, it's interesting, Fred, not that I would want there to be some uh, war or conflict or something like that to kind of validate what I wrote. Um, but one of the concerns I did have was the uh, the timeliness of it, since it had been 10 years since uh, there was the whole Stuxnet attack, and, and that issue was kind of in the forefront. I think the difficulties that we have continuously with Iran were kind of timely, um, but the Stuxnet piece was a little dated, but it did give you know some time for all of that animosity to build with the Iranians and their own investigation into trying to figure out how it happened and, and who was behind it. So... You know, anytime that that something like this comes around and uh, is beneficial, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, having the U.S. and Iran in the headlines again probably uh, didn't hurt anything at all. What I liked also, Dave, in your book Tehran's Vengeance is the embassy dynamics. I I I love the exchange uh, early on with the between the regional security officer and and the press spokesman. You. You, those of us who have done this kind of work know the, the dynamics of working in these kinds of environments, and I think you've painted a pretty good picture about at times uh, it's challenging working alongside some of our colleagues in the field. It is, you know, Fred, when you have, um, you know, two different groups coming at it from different directions with, you know, a different purpose. Obviously, the press officer is looking to, um, you know, get his job done, uh, make the ambassador look good things of that nature, but doesn't really take into account the security and everything that it goes into, you know, putting together a movement like that, especially in a high-risk environment. Uh, so when you kind of bring the two together and there's some clash, most times you try to kind of negotiate a settlement that works uh, for both sides, uh, that sometimes you win, sometimes the other person wins, and uh, you just got to do the best with what you got at that point. Yeah, I came away with uh, mixed feelings about the ambassador as well. Uh, whether or not I like him or not, I'll, I'll reserve judgment, but... Uh... I like Joe Matthews. He's a very unconventional hero. He seems to be a little bit like a protection officer and maybe an assassin. Is this someone predicated on an individual that perhaps you crossed paths with back in the day? I don't know about crossing paths with. I think uh, probably more of a conglomeration of uh, several different people. You know, he does have that background of being a paramilitary operations officer um, and uh, military background before that. But I do believe that, you know, there were quite a few people when I was at the agency who would move back and forth between the protective operations and some of the other offices in the department, uh, in the directorate of operations. And uh, kind of bringing those two worlds together, doing some sharing of uh, skills and talents, training, methodologies, tactics, things of that nature to make better all around officers. But I do believe that at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, if, you know, there's a bad guy that needs to be taken care of, then Joe's not going to shy away from the task. 
We'll get back to David Austin and Fred Burton in just one moment. But if you're interested in reading Tehran's Vengeance, be sure to check out the link in our show notes. Dave Austin writes about an international spy thriller at the center of which is an intricate relationship between the US, Israel, and Iran. It's a relationship that has developed over decades, even centuries, and has so many interwoven threads it can be really hard to decipher. Stratfor Enterprise helps unwind those threads to provide critical information to businesses and professionals who need to know how emerging world events will affect them, their employees, and their businesses. Our analyst team provides invaluable insight into the short and long-term implications of what's happening right now, and that's so that you can develop a more accurate view of the future. With detailed maps, charts, and graphs of the political, economic, and security landscape of the countries where you do business, Worldview Enterprise is a critical tool for business planning. If you're not already a Stratfor member, you can learn more about individual, team, and enterprise subscriptions at stratfor.com slash subscribe. Now, back to Tehran's Vengeance. Have you always wanted to write, Dave? You know, it's something that's really come about in probably the last 10 years or so. You know, since I was a kid, I was an avid reader, especially as a genre, starting out way back in the days with Don Pendleton's Executioner series. Um, as I got older and uh, kind of moved into Tom Clancy, uh, Vince Flynn, um, had a funny story about Vince. I had never heard of him, didn't know about any of his books. And uh, when I was at the agency, I was actually going through Dulles Airport on the way uh, to a trip. I don't remember exactly where, but needed something to read. I saw his uh, book displayed in one of the bookstores in Dulles, and it kind of caught my eye. And I didn't have any idea who he was or that it was a series. But uh, from the first pages, I was hooked on this Mitch Rapp guy. And uh, once I got back, you know, I found out it was a series and I went back to the beginning. I've been a huge fan ever since. But probably about six years ago, you know, I started thinking about it and uh, sat down and wrote a few chapters uh, that made their way into Tehran's Vengeance. It's one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. I <laughs> sat down for hours and didn't get very far at the beginning. I know, you know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed kind of where a lot of times I'd have an outline, but then the characters and the story would kind of take me in a different direction. But it was one of those things where at that time I wasn't really serious about it. Things with life and things with work uh, would come up and take priority. So I kind of set it aside for a while. So it really wasn't until probably the last two, two and a half years that I really got serious about it and sat down and said, you know, I'm, I've got this thing started. Um, I'm going to put it together. I'm going to finish it and uh, and see what happens and just enjoy every bit of it. Talk to me a little bit about your your process of writing. I know uh, I have got my own routine. What's your routine? My process is all over the place. Um, I'm pretty disciplined during the week. I get up about four in the morning, uh, get a couple hours done before work. Um, then I head into the office. I'll eat a quick lunch and get, you know, 30, 45 minutes more done then. And then after that, it's kind of sporadic. But I'm pretty religious about getting uh, that two, two and a half hours a day in. I'm not one of the people that likes to be closed in a silent room and pound away at the keyboard. Uh, you know, I like having activity around me um, as long as somebody's not talking to me or kind of interrupting me. So I'll put my earbuds in with some music and I can sit in a coffee shop. I can sit in a, in a deli. I can sit anywhere in an airport you know, and, and get writing done. So I really seem to struggle when I'm just kind of sitting by myself in a quiet room. I've, I, I find the activity that's going on outside 
to be kind of stimulating and helps me kind of move the story forward. Well, I understand. I'm similar in process a little bit. I get up real early in the morning and try to write. Uh, I was writing uh, this morning as well, and uh, I, I tend to want to do this uh, every day. So uh, even if I don't feel like it or want to, uh, I force myself to do that. You know, it's like Stephen Pressfield says, you got to you got to, you know, pay homage to the muse and you got to sit down and put the work in. You know, I've found a lot of times there's days that I just not feeling it or I'm just struggling to get a paragraph done. Other days it's like she rewards me and I sit down and the words just flow from my fingers to the keyboard. Well, I'm not that talented to do fiction, so I applaud you for your uh, expertise and perseverance along those lines. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Why did you want to join the agency? Well, it was uh, kind of the family business in a way. Grew up around it. My dad was a career uh, agency officer, spent 27 years there. Most of that was uh, in the Middle East, and I think we've probably been to some of the same areas. I know you and I have uh, interacted on uh, social media some about, especially when I was reading your book about Beirut and, and some of the folks that you mentioned in there, like Sam Wyman and some others, were all family friends of ours. Dave, he's okay. a wonderful he's a wonderful guy. Uh, I just uh, ran into Sam up in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, at a book talk, and uh, you can't ask for a more honorable man than Sam Wyman. Oh no, he was absolutely fantastic. His whole family, you know, we were really close when when we were over there, posted together. Um, I haven't seen him in years, but I know my dad just thinks the same thing. Just you know, can't speak highly enough of of Sam. We jumped around every three or four years, a different post overseas. So it was kind of what I grew up with. And uh, when the time came, I was looking at some different options and sitting down with my dad. And of course, I think he was probably a little biased, uh, you know, and helped steer me a little towards the, the agency direction. But it was uh, it was a blast while I was there. I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, super thrilled with the with the opportunity that I had. And it was it was a privilege to to be there and serve in that capacity. I, I know exactly what you mean. I think back on that a lot, that uh, as as dreadful at times that the job could have been, uh, depending upon the different assignments, I, I look back on it and have very fond memories of spending time uh, in that business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree 100%. Now, what's next for you? Are you working on a follow-up to Tehran's Vengeance? I am. I'm about uh, two-thirds of the way through right now. hope to have it out uh, before the end of the year. But, you know, a couple of things crucial to, to making that happen. Uh, the first is me getting it finished. Uh, <laughs> so I'm doing my best to, to be diligent about uh, putting my time in. And then, uh, as you know, I have to send, you know, anything I write into the CIA's publication review board, depending on how long that process takes. Uh, we'll determine when I'm able to get it out. But you know, on Tehran's Vengeance, it wasn't bad. They were a great group to work with. It took about four months, I think, from start to finish to get the approvals through. And uh, I was fortunate. I think I was really, you know, diligent about making sure that I didn't write anything that would be sensitive or that would give any type of advantage to uh, our adversaries overseas or domestically. So I really only had a few minor changes that they asked me to make. So I'm kind of hoping it'll be the same way again this time. Well, I'm envious of you. Uh, it took uh, me 11 months to get Beirut rules cleared uh, through the agency's PRB. So uh, do you think fiction just flies through a little bit uh, quicker? I think it might. You know, most of it's made up, and especially if, you, if you're diligent about, you know, not revealing anything sensitive. I mean, I want to make it as real as I can, but I obviously don't want to give, give away any 
any secrets or anything like that. So um, I've spoken to a couple other people that you've had on. Uh, Mike Trott's a good friend of mine. I know he his went through a long time trying to get his. Yeah, I don't know that I would ever try to do something nonfiction uh, and get it get it through the <laughs> review board because it seems to be a much lengthier process. Some of the time frames I'm hearing from just fellow colleagues is uh, anywhere between a year and a year and a half. So uh, that's a long time to wait. Yeah, and you know the most frustrating part for me, you know, like I said, they were great to work with. You know, every time I communicated with them. But it was just there was no time frame that they could give me, you know, just to to give me a a ballpark. You know, is it going to be one month? Is it going to be two months or three months? Just having to wait and it's kind of out of your control at that point was kind of the the most frustrating part for me. Yeah, I think a lot has to do with just the volume. I think there's so many people writing books today, Dave, that uh, that's just kind of, you know, grinded everything to the halt for everybody. Yeah, I can imagine so. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dave. Uh, again, for our listeners, take a look at Tehran's Vengeance by Dave Austin. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Well, thanks, Fred. I appreciate you having me. It was an honor to be on your podcast. I've been a longtime listener, and thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this conversation with Stratfor's Chief Security Officer, Fred Burton, and David Austin, author of the spy thriller, Tehran's Vengeance. We'll include details on how to purchase the book in the show notes, along with a link to Fred Burton's latest bestseller, Beirut Rules, The Murder of a CIA Station Chief and Hezbollah's War Against America. If you're interested in learning how Stratfor can help you with analytic tools to visualize and anticipate those areas in the world where your interests and operations are at greatest risk, be sure to visit stratfor.com slash enterprise. If you have a question about this podcast or even an idea for the next one, please email us at podcast at stratfor.com. And if you have a moment, we'd love it if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. We really appreciate your feedback. And for more geopolitical intelligence, links, and fun facts about what goes into forecasting world events, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Stratfor. Thanks again for listening.